motivational interviewing techniques for discussing COVID-19 vaccination with clients and with colleagues. And as I mentioned, I'm Lisa Davis. I'm a uh, licensed clinical social worker, um, and I also have a PhD um, in social work. And today what we're gonna talk about, first of all, we're gonna, we're gonna touch on a couple of the reasons why people might be hesitant or have some concerns about getting the COVID-19 vaccine. Um, we're going to touch on or review, uh, maybe some of you have had training in motivational interviewing, which is wonderful. If not, I'm gonna you know, try to touch on those principles of motivational interviews and, and also the skills, the, the actually applied skills. And then we're gonna look at how we might apply those principles and skills to a COVID vaccine conversation. Um, and these are skills that we can use with clients and they're also skills if we happen to be, say, a supervisor, we're supervising somebody who is concerned, we could also use them in that uh, role as well. Um, and then I'm also going to touch on a few sort of challenging situations. What do we do if somebody's in pre-contemplation? They're, they're just not even wanting to, they're not willing to even consider getting vaccinated. How do we deal with that? Uh, and then also, how can we... Um, think about using some of these skills for people with psychotic disorders who might have a lot of uh, delusional content or auditory hallucinations, that kind of thing. Okay, so the World Health Organization has defined vaccination hesitancy as the uh, delay in acceptance or refusal of vaccines despite uh, uh, the availability of vaccine services. And there's been research over many years by organizations like the World Health Organization um, that have really clearly demonstrated the importance of vaccinations in slowing the transmission of preventable and potentially deadly diseases like COVID-19. You are all probably aware at this point that um, a fair fraction of the population has expressed some concern um, or hesitancy about the prospect of getting this uh, vaccine. Um, in December of 2020, the LA Times reported on a Kaiser Family Foundation survey. Uh, many of you may have seen this or maybe you've heard about it in, in other places. Uh, about 29% of healthcare providers were hesitant to get the vaccine. That surprised a lot of people, right? People who have a background in health and science. Um, and interestingly, there was a, a study done by Fisher and colleagues, and that was a nationally representative uh, sample of adults across the United States. And they found in that national sample that it was roughly the same, about 32% of all adults across the US were hesitant. So, uh, so the healthcare, uh, population sort of maps onto the general population. Um, now, the good news is that uh, on the right, you can see in this table on the right, what that shows is that vaccine hesitancy is actually going down over time, which is great. More and more people are intending to get the vaccine over time from October 20th through January of 2021. Um, uh, the, the percent of people intending to get the vaccine has gone up. One problem here, though, is that racial disparities continue, um, and Black communities in particular might be more hesitant um, and less likely to get the vaccine than other groups. And we're going to actually talk about that a little bit more uh, in a moment. So 
There's a lot of different reasons why somebody might be uh, hesitant, concerned, a little bit unsure about whether or not they want to get this vaccine. And it is important to really try to understand where's the person coming from? What are the kind of details? What are the specific issues uh, that are connected to their concern? Um, because that's really going to shape how we approach uh, talking with them and trying to come to some kind of resolution, helping them sort out uh, whatever their concerns are. So here are some examples of some of the reasons that people reported why they were concerned or hesitant to get the COVID-19 vaccine. Um, and this came from a study uh, done by Bonest uh, and colleagues. Um, so one of the reasons people reported was low perceived risk. So people who perceived the risk of getting COVID or considered the symptoms to be mild had a lower intention of getting vaccinated, right? So you can imagine that um, if you were to learn that this was the, sort of the, the thought process or the perspective of somebody, that would really shape how you would be talking with them about um, how, how they're sort of perceiving risk. And in that situation, if the person wasn't very worried about their own health, you might be exploring with them, for example, other motivations that they might want to get the vaccine. Uh, for example, are they concerned about, you know, an elderly parent or a child or other uh, other groups of people that they do perceive as, as being uh, vulnerable? Another reason was difficulty with accessibility and physical barriers, actual barriers in, in terms of getting the vaccine. Um, of course, a conversation around that might involve more sort of problem solving strategies. Um, you might be looking to support somebody's sense of self-efficacy um, and uh, conveying confidence in their ability to manage this, helping them you know, address what the, the barriers are. Um, some of the other reasons included vaccine-specific concerns, and this was primarily whether or not the vaccine is safe, okay? This was the most highly endorsed concern that, that people reported. You know, is this vaccine really safe? But also there was uh, some uh, questions that people sometimes had about whether it was effective as well. Um, need for more information. So wondering whether this vaccine is compatible with health conditions, medications, um, maybe feeling like they want a doctor to weigh in. Um, and then there was a whole set of factors related to anti-vaccine beliefs, attitudes, and morals. Now, this can range from anything from, say, uh, religious beliefs, uh, perhaps, uh, you know, um, healing happens through prayer and, and therefore vaccines are not necessary, um, all the way to uh, people having really misinformed ideas about all vaccines just being very uh, bad and detrimental uh, and dangerous. So it's sort of the anti-vaxxer movement. Um, another reason was lack of trust. Now this, for example, could be related to the government. Um, it could be related to uh, entities like pharmaceutical companies. Um, so ranging from the idea of, you know, drug companies are really just concerned about profit. Uh, they're not really paying attention to our safety. That's not what their concern is. Um, ranging all the way to um, the government might be doing something really purposeful and nefarious. Uh, trying to control or harm especially particular groups uh, within society. Um, 
So the key takeaway here is that sort of a one size fits all generic messaging, just sort of loading people up with a lot of information about the vaccine isn't likely to change behavior for people who are conflicted uh, or concerned or hesitant in some way. And what is likely to help uh, actually change behavior is to create a space for people to be able to bring these ideas out without feeling judged um, and to help them be able to reflect on and work through some of these concerns um, and to help them come to their own decision about what they're going to do um, and, and that they can really own. And motivational interviewing gives us a, a framework and a set of strategies for doing just that. Okay, um, before we sort of get into our motivational interviewing skills and strategies, um, I want to just say a couple more words about this issue of racial disparities that we noted earlier related to vaccine hesitancy. Um, this has partly been related to a concept that is known as medical mistrust. And medical mistrust is defined as um, distrust of healthcare providers, the healthcare system, medical treatments, and the government as a steward of public health. And it is in response to current and historical systemic racism. Um, and medical mistrust is particularly prevalent among Black Americans compared to other uh, races and ethnicities. And people who have studied this area have noted that um, high levels of medical mistrust among uh, Black Americans arise from history, knowledge, continuous and repeated discrimination and harmful uh, experiences toward their racial and ethnic group from the healthcare system and from the government. And that affects health behavior because it motivates a distrust of governmental and also public health information. Um, it motivates avoidance of healthcare as a, as a self-protective strategy. Um, so this study uh, that I've cited here, it was done by uh, Bogart and colleagues. They sampled black Americans with HIV. So these are people that had a lot of experience interacting with the medical system. And they found that 97% of their sample had at least one mistrust belief about the vaccine the COVID-19 vaccine. Um, and the most common mistrust belief was that the government was not being honest and transparent and forthcoming with information. Um, and they concluded with this quote, um, which I think is really powerful. Um, they said, mistrust, which originates in systemic racism is a rational coping response to centuries of oppression starting with slavery and includes historical and ongoing police brutality, high incarceration rates, poverty, and racial residential segregation among black people. So it is really important that we seek to respond to perspectives, especially those that have really been shaped by systemic racism as really comprehensible and valid and uh, you know that we're not just sort of trying to give people information, but that we really acknowledge the depth of these experiences and also the value and the strength of being self-protective. You know, that is, that is a strength. 
um, when it's in response to this kind of ongoing and continued harm. Um, okay, so how do we communicate then uh, with people who are hesitant and maybe for good reason um, to get vaccinated? Well, you know, respecting the validity of their experience and their worries, but also trying to promote safety and health and, and slow the spread of a preventable and potentially deadly disease. Um, well, motivational interviewing focuses on really um, understanding a person's perspective with a kind of genuine interest and, and curiosity and empathy. And the focus here is on exploring ambivalence or people's mixed feelings or conflicted feelings in a way that's free from judgment. Um, this is an evidence-based approach. It's been used, uh, it's, it started in the realm of substance use disorders, but it's since been used in many, many areas, including um, successfully used to influence health behavior. Um, motivational interviewing is defined as a collaborative conversation style for strengthening a person's own motivation and commitment to change. Um, and some of the key ideas here are that ambivalence is a very normal uh, part of the human experience. And it's par for the course when we're making decisions that matter. You know, decisions that affect our health are important. So it's natural that we're gonna maybe have some ambivalence and that people really need to come up with their own reasons to make a change. That really doesn't work to have sort of, you know, uh, to persuade people or sort of scare them uh, to have some kind of external, uh, you know, externally uh, imposed uh, force. Okay, now we as, helpers, uh, mental health providers, supervisors, uh, you know, th those of us that are in this role of, of, of trying to help people with this are also human, of course. And it's really easy to find ourselves slipping into um, certain ways of communicating with people with the absolute best of intentions where we inadvertently end up amplifying somebody's resistance right? Um, here are some favorites, some of our top hits, um, and we've all been there, uh, warning people or in some subtle way, kind of threatening that, you know, something bad might happen if you don't do X, Y, or Z, giving advice, jumping right into solutions, trying to persuade people by being very logical, um, lecturing them, um, moralizing or shoulding, you know, this is, you should really, this is for the safety of everyone. Um, disagreeing or correcting them, reassuring or consoling them, which usually ends up just sort of minimizing people's concerns, shaming them in some way or ordering or directing them. Um, now, these dynamics can be fairly subtle. You know, we may think, well, you know, I don't order people or, you know, I, I certainly don't do that. Um, but maybe you can relate. I know I can. Um, you find yourself in a conversation where you start to get sort of more and more invested in getting your point across, right? Maybe the words that we say are even, they sound fine, uh, but there's this sort of cadence like, well, da-da-da-da-da, and maybe da-da-da-da, and there, you know, you can get into this back, of, back and forth kind of thing where you're trying to sort of bring the person around. Um, to your view. And um, the, the less sleep that we've gotten, the more stress that we're under, 
the easier it is to just revert into some of these very, um, you know, normal kinds of patterns. So the key here really is just catching ourselves. It's really just being mindful. And if we notice that we're in one of those dynamics, you know, uh, noting that with patience toward ourselves. And then if we've got something to shift to, if we've got a, a, a more effective strategy, um, then it's really helpful to be able to shift at that point. Okay, so uh, let's look at some of the core principles of motivational interviewing and how they might apply to working with people around concerns um, or hesitation uh, related to getting the vaccine. The first principle of, uh, is, of motivational interviewing is developing discrepancy. And the goal here is to create with the person and also amplify um, discrepancy between the person's present behavior and their broader goals and values, what's really important to them in their life. We wanna to try to bring that to the foreground. So when a behavior such as opting out of the vaccine is seen as conflicting with um, other important goals and values that that person holds and that we've helped them to articulate, um, uh, change is more likely to occur at that point. So another way of thinking about this is we're kind of highlighting for, for the person an awareness of the costs of a behavior. Um, so there could be a whole series of questions and we will look at some in a moment um, around what are the costs of not getting the vaccine for you? Okay, another key principle is expressing empathy. And that is the ability to sense other people's emotions and to imagine what they might be thinking and feeling. And in, in MI, your role is to then be able to put that into words and uh, reflect that with an attitude of non-judgmental acceptance. So getting the vaccine seems kind of scary to you right now. Okay, um, another important MI principle is rolling with resistance. And this is an approach where um, reluctance and ambivalence are not challenged. Um, instead, we kind of find a way to acknowledge them, to kind of make room for that, uh, recognize that it's understandable. So the person is invited to consider other perspectives, but we're not trying to change their mind like with an agenda. And it's an approach that's kind of hard to fight. So for example, if somebody's digging in, you know, and they're just, you know, ah, this vaccine, it just came out so fast, it, you know, can't be safe. Um, you can always say to the person, you know, I agree, you know, nobody can or should be able to make you do something that you don't want to do. You're finding agreement. If nothing else, you're agreeing with their autonomy. Um, and that makes it hard for the person to have something to push against. Um, supporting autonomy and self-efficacy is also very critical here. Um, self-efficacy refers to a person's belief in their ability to make their own decisions and to carry out their goals. Um, and it's a key element for motivation behind uh, behavior change or, or taking a step. So an MI question like, so what do you think you want to do about this? What do you think your next step might be? 
The question itself expresses confidence in the person's ability to make their own decision and to act on it. Now, a related principle is autonomy, and that refers to the person's capacity to kind of be their own person, to live according to their own motivation and values, rather than being um, driven by some kind of external force. Um, and in, in motivational interviewing, we might communicate this very directly, uh, for example, by, you know, letting people know periodically throughout a conversation, you know, you know this, this decision is entirely up to you. This is... Uh, this is your decision. So we're going to look now at some specific motivational interviewing skills and how we might be able to apply these to um, a vaccine conversation. So uh, a really foundational practice in motivational interviewing is using a lot of open-ended questions. And you really are focusing on eliciting and bringing forth the person's perspective. When you're doing MI, you know, the other person should be doing a lot of the talking. You know, you really want to kind of just be drawing them out and, and really hearing what, what their perspective is. And so the questions are done with a style that is really receptive and curious. We want to avoid questions that could easily be answered with a yes or a no or a very brief response. Um, another note about language is that it's generally a good idea to avoid the question why. Uh, why can seem like an open-ended question, but um, it can sort of make people feel defensive. So imagine the question, um, why don't you want to get the vaccine? Um, that kind of phrasing might make somebody feel a little bit defensive. Whereas if you say, um, I'd really be interested to know what's your current thinking about the vaccine? Um, or um, what is it that worries you most? about getting the vaccine. Um, that kind of questioning tends to be much more invitational rather than a call for somebody to sort of justify, you know, their position. Um, so some of the open-ended questions that we might use to open up a conversation with somebody, uh, could be a client, could be, again, somebody that we're supervising, might be something like, you know, um, so I, I would love to just talk with you about, you know, what's your, what's your current thinking about uh, the COVID vaccine? Um, I'm really interested to know, what have you heard about the COVID vaccine? Uh, what is it that worries you most if the person seems to be concerned? And a good prompt that you can use throughout conversations, um, I mean, we, you know, if, if you are a practicing clinician, you probably use this a lot. Um, can you tell me a little bit more about X? Uh, so when you say that you're confused or you've, um, you know, this is, you, you've gotten a bunch, you've seen a, heard a bunch of different things and it's confusing. Um, can you tell me a little bit more about that? Uh, you know, uh, what you mean by being confused? Uh, so open-ended questions as opposed to, as you can see, some of the ones on the right uh, would obviously be uh, not really very inviting for somebody and would likely uh, just sort of invite some uh, resistance or defensiveness potentially. Okay. Um, our next major skill here, this is a big one. Um, it's a big piece of motivational interviewing. And again, these are really core sort of clinical skills in general. 
Um, and it's really practicing reflective listening statements. And there are different types of or levels of uh, reflective statements in motivational interviewing. Um, the first is a simple reflection. So you can see kind of on the far uh, left-hand side of your screen. A simple reflection is essentially repeating back the content of what you've heard a person say by paraphrasing it in your own words. So the person says, you know, I'm, I'm just so tired of being alone all the time, having nothing to do. A, a simple reflection would be, um, it's been really difficult to feel so isolated and bored. Um, the thing that keeps me going is staying safe so I can see my family again. So the thing you most look forward to is being able to spend time with your family when, when this is over. This is a new kind of vaccine. How do we know there aren't some kind of side effects down the road that could be really bad? So your main concern is whether there might be negative effects from the vaccine that we just haven't seen yet. So you're, you're really just kind of, you're paraphrasing the gist of what the person said. And this lets the person know, number one, that you're listening very carefully, that you're tracking what they're saying. It also helps them to hear themselves, to hear their thoughts and their feelings um, so that they can digest and process those. And that is an important precondition to being able to resolve uh, these thoughts and ambivalent feelings and, and come to some kind of resolution. A sort of a little step beyond a simple reflection is reflection of feeling. And that's when we reflect back our sense of, you know, what the person might be feeling or experiencing, kind of what's underneath the words. So for example, in that same example where the person says, you know, this is a brand new vaccine. How do we know there's not some kind of effect down the road that's really bad? Um, a, a, a reflection of feeling at that point might be, you know, um, it's, it's a little bit scary to get the vaccine and, and you're just, you're not sure about whether it's totally safe. Um, another example, um, they told me at my board and care that I need to get the vaccine to keep myself and everybody else safe. It's my body. How do I know that the vaccine won't harm me or, you know, maybe the vaccine will kill me? Um, sounds like you're feeling pressured to get the vaccine and you're worried about whether or not it's safe. You'd really like to make up your own mind. Um, and you can always follow a reflective statement like that with the question, is that right? So after you sort of, you make an empathic guess, you can say, is that right? Um, and, you know, we're making a little bit of a leap here and it's absolutely fine if we're wrong. You know, the person might say, no, I don't feel pressure. You know, these people are just, they're just bugging me all the time. You know, that's fine. You know, we then we just revise our next reflective, reflective statement. Um, as long as we're moving towards developing an understanding uh, and, and creating trust. Um, uh, let's see. Okay, another example here on the, on the far right. Um, someone in my board and care got COVID and he almost died. I don't want to get sick, but I don't know, maybe the vaccine will do me in, maybe the vaccine will kill me. So on the one hand, it's scary to think about getting COVID and you'd like to protect yourself against the virus. 
On the other hand, you're a little bit worried and unsure about whether the vaccine itself is totally safe. So you're kind of torn about how best to take care of yourself. Um, that's called a double-sided reflection. And you can use this structure when anybody, whenever somebody expresses ambivalence or mixed feelings, which by the way, is a good thing. <laughs> if somebody is saying to you, I kind of feel this way, I kind of feel that way, that's great. And um, you can use this exact structure with them. On the one hand, X, on the other hand, you feel Y. And so you're kind of torn um, or you've got a bit of a dilemma. You've got some mixed feelings. And so uh, we reflect that that ambivalence back to them. And then after we reflect ambivalence, there's other MI strategies we can follow that with. For example, after a double-sided reflection, you might say, um, so what do you think you might do now? Uh, wh what do you think your next steps might be? Um, and that's actually getting into change talk, which we'll talk about in a moment. Um, our next MI skill is providing affirmation. And uh, this, these are statements that really acknowledge and reinforce people's strengths, their abilities, and any attempts that they make toward change or taking action. This is not praise. This is not like saying, you know, um, you did a great job, you know, or, you know, you can do this. Not that there's anything wrong with that, right? That's fine. That's praise. Um, but that's not what this is. This is really a genuine kind of recognition of the person's own innate wisdom and strength and, and their expertise in their own life. So if you take nothing else from this training today, <laughs> um, remember this phrase, take this phrase with you and memorize it because it this will get you out of a tight spot. If you are getting into a conversation where things are going down a road where it's just, it's you're hitting a brick wall, you feel like you're in a corner you can always say to the person, you have given this a lot of thought. You've thought a lot about the vaccine. Now, if the person's very worried, if they're going around and around, if there's a lot of pushback, you can just use this affirmation um, because it's true. It, you know, it, it's a way of acknowledging something that really focuses on strength. Another example here, you have a lot of strong feelings and ideas about this, and you know what you want. You know what's important to you. Another really good strategy for uh, formulating affirmation, affirmations is naming a value uh, that the person holds. And you can use this stem. Um, it's important to you to, and then you fill in the blank with, with a value that they're expressing. Um, it's really important to you to weigh decisions carefully. You know, I can see that. Um, it's important to you to make up your own mind. You really value that. Uh, it's important to you to be able to protect your health. Now, you are going to, oftentimes you need to read between the lines so this, there's a little bit of clinical skill here because you, you, you know, the person may not, they're not gonna necessarily put these into these words. You're gonna distill this based on uh, what the person is expressing and see if you can identify and name that value. And then you, um, and then you affirm it. Okay, um, our next MI skill is uh, eliciting change talk. 
And as the name implies, eliciting change talk mainly involves generating questions um, that focus the individual on what would be needed for them to take a step uh, or make a change. And there's a lot of different strategies in this area of MI, um, but a couple include uh, looking forward and looking back, um, exploring the pros and cons or the upside and the downside of, of an action or behavior um, that's sometimes referred to as decisional balance in motivational interviewing, um, and eliciting goals and values. These are just some, some examples. So starting with looking forward and looking back, um, what are you most looking forward to that you've missed about your life from pre-COVID days? What are you looking forward to after we get uh, all this COVID under control? What's been some of the most difficult parts of this experience for you? And this can bring forth material that can be tied to uh, a motivation for the person to get vaccinated based on what they're hoping for, uh, what they're wanting uh, in the future, or what they're feeling that they need to take care of themselves or cope. Um, Exploring pros and cons or uh, upside and downside. Um, so if you decide not to get the vaccine, what's the upside for you? You know, what, what, what would be in it for you? What's good about that? Um, what's the downside of not getting vac vaccinated? So if you decide not to get the vaccine, maybe the person says, well, then, you know, I don't have to worry about side effects. I don't have to worry about something happening down the road uh, that has some negative effect on me. Well, what's the downside? Well, the downside is that, you know, I, I can't uh, hang out at the coffee shop with my friends and smoke and talk, you know, do, do all these things that I, my normal routine uh, that I, you know, that I really miss. So you're helping people to kind of um, sort that through. Um, what's most important, or, or sorry, can you tell me a little bit about what you're most worried about? Um, just kind of elicit, elaborating for the person what, you know, what their uh, concerns are. Um, given what you're telling me about, and then you can insert something about their goals or their values, um, what might be the cost of not getting the vaccine? Um, how do you think getting the vaccine might affect your ability to do some of these things that you're saying are important to you? Um, so these are all ways of sort of getting at um, goals, values, and, you know, upside and downside. Okay, our last skill that we're going to um, go over here is supporting autonomy and self-efficacy. And then we're going to actually practice this for a couple minutes. Um, should be fun. Um, okay, so supporting autonomy and self-efficacy. Um, this involves communicating to people, you know, that this is their life um, and they really have the capacity to know and also to act on what is really right for them. Um, so some examples of questions and, and statements that you might use here are, um, so, you know, we've covered a lot here. Um, what do you think you might do now? Um, you know, it's really up to you what you do next. Uh, what do you think your next step might be? You're the expert. You know what's right for you. So uh, we're going to just practice a couple of these little skills. Here we go. First one is, um, 
I'm, I'm not sure what the point of getting the COVID-19 vaccine is. I still have to wear a mask. I still have to social distance. I can't live my life and I'm so sick of being cooped up. This is never gonna end. So what might be a reflective statement? So getting a vaccine pre seems pretty pointless. Perfect, that's beautiful, yeah. Uh, excellent. Actually, uh, this is a good point. Um, reflections usually start with a, um, a, a down tone in your voice. Uh, uh, so it's more of a statement. However, um, this, the way that James has put the question mark on, that can also be used as a, a technique for elaborating. So the difference between, so reflection might be, so getting the vaccine seems pretty pointless, right? Your voice is going down. Versus, so getting the vaccine seems pretty pointless. That's also great. And that is asking somebody to elaborate, right? So either one of those. Um, okay. I understand it seems futile to receive the, vac the vaccination. Yeah, I can understand that. It just seems futile. Absolutely. Um, sounds like you're having some challenges accepting the purpose of getting the vaccine. Excellent. Uh, does anybody want to take a shot at like, um, you know, a, 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 just a feeling? Uh, you know, futility gets at, at sort of a feeling, but, but does anybody want to just sort of name, if you had to name a, a feeling that was sort of like behind this, what, what, would it, what might it be? There's lots of options. Frustration, powerless. Yeah. Yeah. Boy, I can really hear that you're feeling pretty frustrated, feeling powerless, pretty scary, feeling hopeless. Yeah. Yeah. Beautiful. Okay. Excellent. Um, okay. One more, another one. Um, I know they say the vaccine is safe, but I'm not sure that's true. Uh, the big drug companies are really mostly in it for the money. They don't really care about our safety. What might be a reflection here? What's, a, what's sort of a, a simple kind of statement about the gist of this statement? I can understand where you're coming from. Okay, nice. Just a just a sort of a basic that that that's really beautiful because you know that it just sort of conveys a sense of acceptance. I can understand where you're coming from. And maybe you really can. I mean, maybe, maybe you yourself have, have had some of these thoughts as well. And, and it helps you to, to relate. Um, seems like you've given this a lot of thought. Very nice. Very, very nice. Yeah. And, you know, some of these statements for people that we might hear just might be like, you know, it's, uh, there's a trust issue, right? So many theories out there. That's also a really nice neutral way of acknowledging that, yeah, there are people are being exposed to a lot and uh, it's hard to know, right? It's hard to know what's going on. So many theories out there. Okay. Great. Um, you never know what's in the vaccines. I've heard this one is designed to control and eliminate certain groups in society, including people who look like me. I'm not sure what to think. The rates of COVID-19 infection and death are also highest in my community. Does anybody have any thoughts about, you know, if somebody is, uh, you know, feeling this kind of worry, how you might really validate 
Lots of, yeah, lots of our clients associate this with past government medical experiments. That's right. That's right. And, and, and you can acknowledge that to the person. You can say, you know, I've heard similar thoughts from other people. And, you know, sometimes people bring up that there have been medical experiments in the past. And yeah, you know, you're, you're, you're feeling concerned or worried or fearful. Um, think about what will happen if you don't take it. Okay, so that's, that's a really good example of that sort of upside downside that might, um, Patricia, that might be a little bit more uh, related to change talk. So, okay, so you're concerned about it. Um, let's think about what might happen if you don't get the vaccine? What happened if you do? What would happen if you don't? On the one hand, you don't feel like you can trust the vaccine. On the other hand, you're worried about the risk of infection. Beautiful, beautiful, wonderful, double-sided reflection. Uh, Larry, I understand why you feel that way. Yeah, just a, an acknowledgement and acceptance of that. Okay, fantastic. Uh, one more, validate their feelings and fear and then share how you yourself have taken the vaccine and had no symptoms. Okay, thank you for bringing that up. We are going to get to that in a moment. We actually have um, a technique for that where you can share your experiences and your uh, what you know. So thank you, that's a preview. Um, have you thought about how this vaccine uh, might be uh, different with today's advances? Interesting, very nice. Uh, question to probe and see what, what their thoughts are, what they know, uh, what they've heard about how this might be different. Um, okay, terrific. Okay, this was, this was just meant to give you an opportunity for a double-sided reflection. We got a great one already. Here's another opportunity. Um, in my religion, we believe that all healing happens through prayer. Vaccines aren't, aren't necessary. But I live with my 85-year-old mother, and sometimes I do really worry about her. Sometimes I think about getting the vaccine just to be safe. Um, anybody have a, a double-sided reflection for this or any reflection actually? Um, it is certainly true that people of color, okay, we've got one I think from the, the last one. It's certainly true that people of color have, been, have had discrimination and treated poorly historically and we need to explore and research in order to make a good choice for you. Oh, God, wonderful. Oh, that is so, so lovely. So lovely. Just a real wonderful acknowledgement and an offering to help somebody find the, the information that they need to feel comfortable. Um, that is so beautiful. Yeah, thank you. Um, that's really great. Um, Okay, any, any, any thoughts about a, 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 a double-sided one for this one? Um, vaccines aren't necessary uh, because healing happens through prayer, uh, but uh, I'm worried about my 85-year-old mother. Sometimes I think about getting the vaccine. Okay, great. I can understand how you feel, and I think you also wanna make sure your mother's safe. Great, great. You have this value system, you have this religious belief that is very, very important. And you also want to make sure your mother's safe. Beautiful. Okay, great. Okay, we're going to do just a couple affirmations. Um, I want to wait and see. This is a new kind of vaccine. How do we know that these vaccines are safe when they're so new? Um, what can you affirm? How can you name a strength here? What's really, what, what's really, uh, what's, what's sort of uh, good about 
uh, about what this person is saying? How might it be connected to something? The client is asking quality questions, right? Yeah. And why might it be important? Being cautious is often prudent. Yep. So is it important to be cautious and prudent and, and ask, inquire, you know, inquire and weigh decisions? Yes. Yeah. Beautiful. Um, I'm worried about how sick I might get from the side effects. I have diabetes and high blood pressure. I don't know how the vaccine might interact with my conditions and medications that I'm taking. What's the strength here? What does the person care about? It's good to be cognizant of your health. Yeah. It's good to pay attention and, and uh, really take your health seriously. Yeah, beautiful. Your health is really important to you. Okay. Uh, we're going to do two change talks. And then uh, after this, we're going to do a quick role play. I'm going to do a role play with my colleague, Elizabeth. And um, we're going to uh, circle back to the point that somebody made about providing information because we we do we can do that at a, at a certain point. Um, okay, so just a couple quick change talks. And remember, this is upside downside. Uh, what are your goals and values? Uh, looking back, looking forward. Um, so I really don't know if I want to get some vaccine when I don't know what it will do to me. It just seems easier to get COVID and get sick for a week and get over it. But I do think about getting the vaccine so my mom can come visit me. Anybody have a change talk example? So, I mean, a simple one, and you can always use this is, um, well, this one is also good for double-sided reflection, right? Um, you know, oh, I, I hear your concerns and I see how visiting you with your mom would be great. Okay, good, um, excellent. So, uh, right. So, and uh, you know, upside of getting the vaccine is that you could visit with your mom. Downside is that uh, you might be, uh, you know, worried about how it might affect you. You want to keep your mom safe. Okay, that's another good um, identifying a value that can be linked to motivation, right? You're, you're, it's important to you that your your mom be safe and your relationship with your mom is important. So we can uh, tap into that. Okay, last one. I'm worried about how sick I might get uh, from the effects. I have diabetes and my heart is not good. Um, the vaccine might have a really bad effect on me, but uh, getting COVID might be worse. Someone here got COVID and he almost died. You care about your health. Okay, good. Good uh, uh, reflection of a, of a value. Um, your health is really important to you. Yeah. And then from there, it, you, we can lead into uh, what are some important steps for you in order to, what are you going to do at this point in order to uh, make sure you can take care of your health? Okay. So we're going to, I'm going to do a quick role play with uh, my colleague, Elizabeth, who's uh, one of our lead implementation specialists. Um, and we're going to use a structure for this role play, and it relates to the question or a comment that uh, someone made earlier about sharing their experience 
or their knowledge of the vaccine. So there's a really nice structure for a conversation about this where we're providing information that is congruent with a motivational interviewing approach and it's called elicit, provide, elicit. So it's a three-step process um, for giving information, again, using an MI approach. So step one is we start the conversation by eliciting. So we use some of our open-ended questions that we that we know from motivational interviewing. So for example, we start out with a question like, um, so um, I'd, I'd really like to know what your current thinking about the COVID vaccine is. And then we listen, right? And we use some of those skills that we just went over, reflecting, affirming, elaborating. Once we've done some exploring and reflective listening, um, then we ask for permission about whether we can provide some information to the person. So we only do it after we've uh, explored, reflected, heard the person, and then we don't launch into information. We ask them for permission. So we could say something like, um, would it be okay with you if I shared a little bit about what I've learned about the vaccine with you? Um, another option is to do what uh, somebody had mentioned in the chat. Would it be okay if I share with you um, my experience of getting the vaccine and, you know, uh, or, uh, and, and other people's experience that, that I, I know? Um, so we, we ask their permission. At that point, provided they say yes, of course, you have about two to three minutes to give information before you start to kind of lose the person. So you want to have some brief points that are sort of queued up and ready to go. Um, no lectures. Um, you want to look at people's facial expression and body language if you can see them. <laughs> so if you're doing this over, you know, if you have like some kind of a video platform or you're in person, obviously you can't do this over the telephone, but you want to be looking at their face and their body language when you're giving information to know if, if you need to stop, if they're starting to uh, turn out or get tune out or get you know anxious. Um, and then the third step after we share our brief information is we go back to eliciting with the question, what do you think about what I just told you? So we check in with them and we see what is their reaction? How are they making sense out of the information that we've just told them? And then we continue to just use our MI skills of you know, listening and reflecting and, and so on and so forth. Um, so elicit, provide, and elicit. So we're, uh, I'm gonna, we're gonna demonstrate this, Elizabeth and I. Um, so we can uh, give you a, a quick sense of sort of how this might flow and how we might put all of these um, skills together. So Elizabeth, are you there? <laughs> I am here, can you hear me? Okay, yay. So Elizabeth, um, I'm really interested to know what, what's your current uh, thinking about the COVID-19 vaccine? I'm not really sure. I, I feel like maybe I should get it, but I'm, I'm worried that it's not very safe. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, yeah. Can, can you tell me a little bit more about um, what it is that, that worries you? Yeah. I mean, I don't know if I want to put something in my body when I don't know what all the effects might be. And I'm not even sure if it's going to actually work. 
um, and protect me from COVID. Uh, it just came out so fast. How do they know it won't cause problems um, that we don't know about yet? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So yeah, you're concerned about the safety of a vaccine produced so quickly um, and also whether or not it's effective. Um, and at the same time, it sounds like you, sometimes you think about maybe it might be a good idea to get it. Yeah, exactly. Um, also, I have diabetes and my cancer is in remission. The vaccine might make things worse for me because my immune system isn't so good. I have a lot of medications that I'm on and the doctor said I have to be careful and take my medications or I might end up back in the hospital. I don't know what the vaccine might do. The vaccine might be what does me in. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. So it sounds like getting the vaccine is a little bit scary. Um, and your two biggest concerns are generally whether it's safe, partly because of how quickly it was developed, and also whether it might interact with some of your medical conditions and medications. Is, is that right? Yeah. Yeah. I, I, just, I just really don't know if it's going to have some bad effects on me. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, I can really hear that being healthy and taking care of yourself is really important to you. Um, your health is something that you really value a lot. Yeah, I was sick last year because of the cancer. I had to go to the hospital twice. I spent a lot of time in my room alone. I didn't have the energy to get around much. I've been in remission now and I don't want to get sick again. I can go to the store again. I can walk around the neighborhood. I really don't like being cooped up all the time. I like to get out and walk and go get the things I need uh, from the store down the street. Yeah, so it's it's really important for you to keep your mobility. And um, you know, I, I can hear that you just really don't want to have any setbacks, you know? Um, I'm wondering, you mentioned earlier that at times you thought maybe you should get the vaccine. Um, what do you think some of the upsides could be of getting of getting the vaccine? Um, well, someone in my board and care got COVID and he was sick for two months. He lived, um, but he was in the hospital for one whole month and he was in bed for another whole month when he got out. It almost killed him and I don't want to get COVID. Um, I just started getting back to my routine. As I said, if I get COVID, that would be bad. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so you, you really don't wanna get sick and you'd like to be protected from the virus. Um, would it be okay if I share some information with you that I learned about the vaccine? Okay, sure. Okay. Um, you mentioned that the vaccine was produced very quickly, and that's a really valid point. Um, what I learned was that before COVID, it might've taken up to like four years or so to develop a vaccine, but the pandemic just sort of happened at a time when a couple things were possible. Um, first, uh, there was new technology for building vaccines that had just been developed. Um, there's also an outpouring of government and private funding that we don't normally see because of this level of crisis. And also countries around the world were really working together and putting all their resources towards solving this. Um, and this enabled the vaccine to get developed more quickly than we've seen you know, in the past. Um, what do you think about what I'm, I'm, I'm sharing with you? That makes sense how they could speed everything up. Um, 
I still think there hasn't been quite enough time to know what's really going to happen in the long run, though. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah. So you understand how resources enabled faxer, uh, sorry, faster vaccine development, but you're still concerned about effects that maybe we just haven't seen yet. Um, so what do you think your next steps might be? Um, maybe, maybe the vaccine would be okay. I, I definitely have to think about it. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah. What do you think about talking with your doctor about some of the concerns related to interactions and maybe about the, the vaccine in general? Yeah, I think that's a good idea. I think I better see what she thinks about that. Mm -hmm. Okay. Okay, great. Um, is it okay if I circle back with you and maybe see how that went and kind of where you're at with this maybe in a couple days? Okay. Okay. Terrific. Um, Thank you for speaking with me, Elizabeth. I, I really appreciate how thoughtful you are about these really important decisions that affect your health. Um, and I want, you know, I know you want to protect yourself against the virus. And at the same time, you're a little worried. You don't wanna risk any setbacks with the vaccine. Um, so you're a little bit torn about, you know, how best to take care of yourself. Um, and I, I just want you to know that I'm here to help and support you in doing what is really going to be right and best for you. I appreciate that. Thank you. Sure. Yeah. Okay, great. So I'll, you know, follow up with you and, and we'll talk in a couple of days. Okay. End scene. <laughs> um, okay, so that's that's just a little sort of example of this um, illicit, uh, provide illicit, kind of putting some of these um, steps together. And uh, yeah, there's many different ways you could use that middle part. You, you could sh absolutely share your experience. You could say, I know several people who've gotten it. Would it be okay if I tell you about you know them? Um, you just, you sort of have that prepared and um, make sure that it's relatively brief. Do anybody have any thoughts or questions about the role play? Uh, any, uh, anything? that you want to ask about or yeah that's a wonderful little bit of information to let people know that this is actually an extension of work that started you know prior related to this the other disease um, right those kinds of pieces of information are really helpful and we'll get to in a moment like towards the end of the powerpoint um, we've got a whole list of um uh, resources, CDC, Johns Hopkins, other things. Um, so you'll have, if, if, if you don't already know where to get good, reputable pieces of information, we've got it for you <laughs> in the slides. So yeah, thank you. That's, that's a very, very good point. So this next question, how do you handle one objection after another? <laughs> Perfect cue, cue up for this. So there's a couple of challenges that I'll, we'll touch on. One of them is this very question um, in MI language, you know, mo motivational interview was built on uh, stages of change, which many of you may, may be familiar with and pre-contemplation. Now it could be, so pre-contemplation is the stage where the person is not recognizing the need for anything. They're, they're, they're really, um, they're not ambivalent. They're just convinced that they don't want to do something. 
So their position is, I absolutely am not getting this vaccine. There's, there's no mixed feelings there, right? Now, the one objection after another, though, that could be related to different, multiple kinds of dynamics, right? It could be pre-contemplation where they're just like, no, um, I know what I'm doing. I'm not doing this vaccine. Or it could be uh, that their way of relating is, is around conflict. Like they, they, they just sort of engage with people around sort of getting into a power struggle and that's, that's their mode of, of, of relating. Um, and so those might be slightly different, but let's talk about this pre-contemplation issue where the person is, is not ambivalent. They're just convinced that they're not doing this. Um, so the first thing to say is that if somebody comes out with a very strong statement, you know, I am never getting this vaccine. Um, uh, sometimes when people are very strongly opposed, or you could be related to this issue of um, having a lot of objections as a similar thing, it could, they're sort of testing us sometimes to see if we are going to be reactive, if we're going to be judgmental, if we're going to engage in a power struggle. And so what we wanna do is just sort of sidestep the power struggle. And um, the wonderful thing about motivational interviewing is that there's so many wonderful little strategies for sidestepping that, that power struggle. So um, the first thing is that we, as best we can, you know, we try not, we try to remain neutral. Like if, if we can sort of not be reactive, you know, sometimes we do get really irritated and frustrated and that's fine too. But we want to start from a position of agreement if somebody's, you know, really pushing. Um, so we might lead with something like whether or not you get this vaccine is of course entirely up to you. So right from the get-go, we are establishing we are not going to try to talk them into something. We're not going to get into some kind of a back and forth where our job is to sort of refute all their objections. We, we sidestep that and we diffuse it by saying, yeah, you know what? This is entirely your decision. And I absolutely agree. This should be up to you. You know what's best for you. And so it's very hard for the person to continue engaging us with, with objections if we're, you know, if we're starting from agreement. And again, the agreement is with their autonomy. They're the experts in their lives. They can decide. Um, second thing is that we can still be interested in understanding their position um, without needing to challenge it. And at the very least, just if they if they've got a million reasons why they're not doing it, you're you're not necessarily trying to change their mind, but you could just be interested in understanding. And at the very least, you're you're developing rapport and connection. So you might you might even say to the person, you know, you probably don't want to spend a lot of time talking about this, and that's totally fine. Um, but I am just really interested to know, you know, what are your thoughts about not wanting the vaccine? I'd, I would love to understand that a little bit more. Um, would you be willing to share that with me? Um, and the key there, though, is to be sort of genuinely um, interested and curious and not using that as a tactic, right, to get in there and try to, like, work things around and persuade them. Uh, that's actually hard to do, right? We're, we're really just accepting and we're really just genuinely like, I'd just be really interested to know what your thoughts are about really being opposed to it. And that really just helps me understand who you are. And, um, and um, the other thing is, is that if they are 
persisting in their objections and in their position, I, I, I you know, you're never going to convince me to do this. You can then at that point ask for their permission to talk with them about uh, what we would call a harm reduction approach. And basically, the first thing you can do is say, you know, the other people have expressed similar ideas to me. So if they're very opposed to this, they've got a lot of objections, we just normalize that. Um, we can say, yeah, other people have said something similar to me. Would it be okay if I spend a couple minutes just talking with you about sort of what you're doing to be as safe as possible right now? Um, just wondering what, how you're managing that. Um, you could also just say, so how is it going? I mean, how are you doing with all of these mandates like masking and staying inside and physically distancing? How is that going for you? So we can, you know, shift away from the vaccine, but we're shifting more to uh, sort of a harm reduction approach if, if they're not willing to consider that. The other thing is, is that um, if somebody is full, full of objections, they're convinced that they're not gonna do this. Uh, we do all these things to not get into the power struggle and affirm their autonomy. But keep in mind that you wanna circle back. It could be that at another point in time, they're in a different frame of mind, but also more and more people are going to start to get vaccinated. And as that happens, it is likely that vaccine hesitancy will continue to go down. As more people get vaccinated and they're okay, and they're able to do stuff, um, most likely people's hesitancy will go down. Not everybody, not, not everybody, but there might be some shift in that. So don't feel like you have a one shot, you know, just continue to kind of think about, you know, when you might follow up and, and check in again. If we are very conflicted ourselves, or even very opposed, like very clear that we do not think getting vaccinated is a good idea, or we are highly, you know, ambivalent ourselves, it's it's going to be very difficult to be effective in helping somebody resolve their own ambivalence. Now, it's possible that somebody might be able to suspend their own thoughts and beliefs, you know, and really focus on the individual, but that's difficult. Most of the time, it's going to interfere with our effectiveness, right? So if we as a provider have a lot of concerns, maybe we are considering not getting the vaccine, that is absolutely your, um, that's your right. Um, you, you just are going to need to think about whether or not it makes sense for you to be in this role. And what I would recommend for people to do if they're willing if, if you as a provider have a lot of mixed feelings and, and concerns and ambivalence, if you could um, talk to somebody that you trust and you, if you would be willing to, and that doesn't mean you have to change your mind, but would you be willing to think it through? Would you be willing to reflect on it a bit? Would you be willing to sit down with somebody you trust just to kind of go through your own thought process? And maybe you end up coming to the decision that you still don't think it's a good idea. You're not gonna do it, but, but are you willing? And I feel like, you know, we, we, we could ask people that we work with 
um, to say, you know, you have a right to make your up your own mind. I'm not saying that you don't, but I wonder if you'd be willing to reflect on your your decision and 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 really kind of, uh, you know, is there a way that you could uh, kind of sit down and sort of think that through and and just you know ensure that you're sort of coming to a decision that you feel, you know, really good about that you can, you know, sort of stand behind. So we we can't force staff who are uncomfortable to help other people that are uncomfortable, but we could ask them to maybe look at their own thoughts and beliefs and ideas um, just so that they can be a better um, helper uh, to other people or just so that they can, you know, feel comfortable with their own decision. Um, so I hope that's helpful. I mean, there's no, you know, we just we, we just sort of ask people to uh, engage in that kind of self-reflection. Um, okay. Uh, so then, very quickly, last our last point. Uh, some of you may be working with people with psychosis, um, and actually, you may be working with people that have specific delusions. Uh, around the vaccine related, you know, vaccine specific and or other kinds of, you know, auditory hallucinations. Maybe they're hearing voices that are telling them things about the vaccine, that kind of thing. For example, you might be working with somebody who thinks that they are going to be injected with a, you know, a tracking device um, and that they'll be monitored by the FBI or that they'll otherwise be injected with something that will be, you know, connect, that they'll be under the influence of, you know, aliens or whatever it is. Um, if somebody's having that kind of uh, content, um, we can always shift away from the specific topic of the vaccine, and you can shift to a conversation that is really about their broader goals and values related to their health and their safety. So you might, you know, if somebody's got a lot of uh, delusional content about the vaccine, you might say, you know, actually, uh, just, I would really love to know what is it that's most important to you right now about your health? Um, can you tell me a little bit about how you're taking care of yourself and how you're staying safe right now? So we just kind of, you know, kind of shift to their understanding of their health, their safety, how they're thinking about that. Um, and similarly, if they're experiencing a lot of uh, delusions or hallucinations, maybe it's not related to the vaccine, but they're just very symptomatic. Maybe they're very disorganized in their speech. Um, and this kind of a, a structured way of having this conversation is, is not really workable. Um, a couple tips here are, um, it's helpful in that situation to limit actually the number of open-ended questions, you know, whereas with other people we might be who are not necessarily as symptomatic or having a lot of positive symptoms of psychosis, we're wanting to elaborate a lot. Um, if, if somebody's very symptomatic, we might want to limit the number of que open-ended questions and also not have like prolonged exploration of thoughts and feelings, you know. Instead, what we can do is just have a few key questions and we use a lot of simple reflections, reflecting back, you know, to the gist of what we're hearing. And we use a lot of affirmations 
Um, now, if the person is manic or otherwise kind of hyperverbal, you might ask them one question. So what are your thoughts about the COVID vaccine? And they might launch into something and not stop, right? And you don't even get to get another question in. Um, in those situations, you can sort of respectfully um, interrupt the person saying something like, um, I'm gonna stop you for a moment so I can just make sure that I'm understanding you correctly. And you do that at a key point. And when you do that, you wanna have something queued up and ready to go. So when you interrupt in that really respectful way, you want to then use that opportunity to highlight something important. So if they've mentioned anything about a desire to get the vaccine, um, an interest in you know, protecting their health, you, you interrupt and you say, I wanna make sure I'm understanding you correctly. You mentioned that you had thought about getting the vaccine. Um, what, what do you think might need to happen for you or what steps might be important to help you with that? Um, you might also have the opposite situation where somebody is very withdrawn and uncommunicative. Um, and people with severe mental illness are, are, are sometimes, um, they, they may have a, a very flat affect um, and not a lot of uh, communication. In those situations, um, the challenge is sort of the opposite, is not getting into a lot of close-ended questions, sort of a lot of questions and answer back and forth, um, but really kind of trying to be patient and staying with their pace and really affirming any attempts that they make to, um, to actually communicate. So the point was brought up earlier, mentioned this point about some of this work for this vaccine started with SARS and therefore there's reasons why, you know, it happened so quickly, not because they were cutting corners necessarily, right? Here's a lot of great information for you uh, from the CDC, uh, Johns Hopkins, Mayo. Um, you can use these to educate yourself, pick out little points that, that you like that you could highlight. Um, share these with your clients for sure. Um, share these with your colleagues. So, you know, I don't know if this person that you were referring to or other people might be willing, they might be interested and just say, oh, you know, here's, here's some information if ever you're interested. And um, there's also resources on our website, uh, pmhp.ucla.edu. We have these and, and more. Um, uh, there's some references here. You'll get the slides, so you can al also look into more uh, more information um, if you want to look up any of these uh, sources uh, and read more about motivational interviewing or more about medical mistrust, uh, that kind of thing. Well, I want to thank you all for taking the time today and uh, making this time. I we really appreciate you being here, and let me just say that we. Uh, appreciate so much the incredible work that you all are doing under very challenging circumstances uh, and, you know, that you persist in, you know, doing this very uh, important work. Um, and I, I hope that, you know, this is an, it gives you some tools to continue helping your clients and, and even your staff. Um, and, and maybe getting some information for yourself as well. So thank you so much for being here.